Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. Hey friends, I'm so excited that I get to chat with Enneagram expert, Tracy O'Malley today. Selfishly, I'm so intrigued by all things personality and cannot wait to learn how I can use the Enneagram to work out some of the kinks I've got going on. But I also know that you're going to walk away from this episode with some clarity on how you can use the Enneagram as a tool to create harmony in your personal and business relationships. Hey, Tracy, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. We're going to get all juicy and give you all the goods today because the Enneagram is really fun and trendy and that's fun. Like I love the memes and I love all that, but we're like, it's a powerful, powerful, beautiful evolution growth tool that really can set you free from things that are holding you back. So I'm excited to dive in with you. Thanks for having me on. Yay. I'm like vibrating with excitement. I can't wait to dive in. Oh, I can talk about this all day. So (laughs) let's do it. Okay. So for those listeners who haven't discovered who you are yet, Will you tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you discovered the Enneagram? Well, I've got a lot of, I've worn a, worn out the tread on my tires quite a few times. I am pushing 50 years old. By the time this airs, I'm probably days away from that. So, which is crazy to me. I can't even believe that five decades have like gone by for me. And with that comes a lot of um, experiences in life. And I feel like I'm on version like 6.0 at this point, which is great, but like surreal at the same time. And I grew up back in Chicago, Illinois, a very, very, very Irish family with a lot of pride, very passionate, very loud. And alcoholism was part of the story, you know, dysfunctional family, beautiful, very loyal, passionate family, but really, really dysfunctional. And I learned early on kind of my part in that. And then understanding the Enneagram, it all makes perfect sense. Like why I was the way I was, why I've done what I've done and realized kind of early on, I needed to get out of there. And since I've been adulting, since I was about four years old, I met my future husband in college. We moved to Arizona and like a good Irish girl does gets married and have back-to-back babies by the time I'm 25 years old. And, and that was kind of like, I thought that I could kind of just move away and just build a new life. And I kind of did until the kids came along. And there's something about looking into the face of these littles that kind of look like you, but you realize like, crap, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And, you know, we think we want it to go a certain way, but usually what we end up doing is what we're taught, told and modeled. And, you know, based on what I just told you from what I came from, what I was taught, told and modeled, although it was very passionate and all that, it wasn't always effective. And that was 22 years ago. And I remember looking in the eyes of my four-year-old daughter. I have a, they they were three and four at the time. And I looked in the eyes of my four-year-old daughter and I was filled with rage towards her, not because she was an, she was amazing. She's a seven on the Enneagram. She's this beautiful, free spirited love and light and just pure goodness. And I was angry at her because I didn't get that. And I knew that if I didn't get help, I was either going to dim that light, 
try to make her a mini me or project all my crap onto her. And that was the last thing I wanted. I lived through that as a kid. I did not want to repeat that. And quite honestly, if we don't repair it, we repeat it. And so 22 years ago, I started this journey of personal development, probably long before many of you were even born that are listening. And although I had a lot of progress and was a decent mom, you know, I was kind of just going through the motions, like kind of modeling what I had learned, the information, you know, between therapy and growth and books and all the things. <clears throat> and it, it kind of came to a head about a decade ago. I just turned 40. My marriage didn't work. There was a divorce. There was the recession. Many of you know about, you know, I lost everything, a business, a home, a marriage, my identity. And I found myself at 40 years old, like, seriously, is this what life is about? And my coping mechanisms weren't great. They were not. Um, I can make crap happen. No problem. Like put a goal in front of me or a challenge in front of me. After all, I'm the challenger on the Enneagram. I will make it happen. And although I can make things happen, it isn't always made with love or um, effectiveness or nurturing or compassion. And that's kind of required as a mom and as a friend and all the things. So um, 10 years ago, my dad suddenly passed away from a cancer diagnosis of 12 days, I lost everything. And I just really realized that I needed more tools in the tool belt that I had. And my kids at the time were 14 and 15 and starting to act out and repeat my behaviors in different ways, you know, based on who they are. But it was the same package, just different wrapping paper, so to speak. And, you know, kids, our teams, the people that we lead and mentor will do what we do, not what we say to do. And so, you know, I realized if I wanted something for my different for my kids, I needed to model and be something different and show them something different. And that's when I, 10 years ago, decided to get help from, you know, the hardest of places in rehab for all the coping mechanisms, not just the alcohol, which was an obvious problem, but codependency, anger, uh, food dysfunction, eating disorders. I've used everything but drugs, quite honestly, to deal with life. And when I got to rehab, I put all the cards on the table. I was like, listen, lady, this is what I'm dealing with here. All of it. Because I knew myself enough that like, if I didn't put it all out there, I would keep one in my back pocket and it would just end up like, why do it if you're not going to do it? So um, ironically, my therapist is also an Enneagram 8. And that was 10 years ago. And she is the one day two in rehab that introduced me to the Enneagram. And of course, she suggested it. And I said, hell no, I'm not doing that. And she's like, you know, in typical eight fashion, and she's from Texas on top of it. And she goes, my dear, your best thinking has gotten you here. And, you know, quite honestly, this might help you get out of the box that not only the world has put you in, but you've put yourself in. So how about you give it a shot? And I'm like, well, touche, you got a point there. <laughs> and I opened up my mind because I was like, I don't want a label. I'm walking into rehab with a label on my back already. I'm going back to Arizona as that single mom that went to rehab. Like, seriously, I don't need another freaking label. But, you know, I, it was explained to me that this, this can actually be a growth tool for you and not, you know, unpacking 40 years of crap can seem overwhelming. And I know that's why many of you feel stuck, right? It's like, God, it feels like this huge pile. How can I, you know, pull through the wreckage and unbury myself from all this? And it's usually when we get a case of the buckets and say, like, it's just too overwhelming and we pick up the tools that we know, but maybe aren't best for us. And when I was in rehab, I had nothing but an iPod and books. And so like, this was all I had to do. 
And when I was reading about um, the Enneagram, it made perfect sense that I was speaking one language, but there were eight other ones and my children were not the same language that me, that I was. I originally mistyped as a three, uh, which makes sense because behaviorally I can look very achiever-like. But when I got to the motives and my therapist and I really looked at the, at the motives, it was very, very clear that I was an eight and not a three. And so when I was reading about the eight, it's just like with anything, you know, when we look in the mirror, do we always look at the, the beautiful sparkly parts we love about ourselves? Like I never look at my eyes first ever. And it's obviously like probably my best asset. I always look at my thighs or my butt or, you know, the things that we want to improve or that we just want to shame ourselves for. And the Enneagram, quite honestly, was no different, you know? So I really caution you guys, if you're going to get into this, you know, it's, it's good to have the information, but what we do with it is important. And, you know, it was a God moment for sure, because I was reading about the eight and I was like, God, I'm the biggest asshole on the Enneagram. That's awesome. Like I'm domineering and aggressive, big shocker. Here I am in rehab for a very excessive all or nothing kind of lifestyle. This is great. But something kind of came over me that like, but where there is darkness, there has to be light. There has to be. And so my eyes turned very quickly to all the beautiful parts about the eight. And although I wasn't embodying that in that moment, you know, I knew that I had that in me because I've seen glimpses of it. I knew that like when I felt better and felt supported and connected to God, that like those things did come through, but I didn't necessarily know how to stay there. And so I wrote down all the healthy, beautiful traits about the eight, you know, like world-class leader, protector, um, world changer, just all the beautiful things like, like, wow. I'm like, yeah, that's me. That is me. I know that's in me. Now how I express that doesn't always ring clear. So, you know, from that moment on, I was like, okay, I'm going to keep that in my vision, you know, because you can't hit a target you don't see. And every day since that moment, my, my goal has been to work towards that. So obviously I get home from rehab and realize that I don't have two eights that I'm raising. I have a seven and a two and realized that I only speak eight language. So I started learning the language of the two and the seven. And, you know, with teenagers, you know, I really didn't have a good track record. You know, they were already kind of cautiously optimistic about what mom was going to be when she got home. And I just started speaking differently to them using their language. And obviously knowing how they may receive me as an eight was very eye-opening. And overnight, everything changed in the house, the way we communicated with each other. And it was, it was a scary time. I mean, I walked away from my career. I took my income down to zero. I have a new toolbox. A relationship blew up. I mean, and my kids are looking at me like, what the hell are we doing? I'm like, I have no idea. But I know we're going to be okay. And they could feel that shift in energy. And, you know, very quickly, I got into network marketing by fluke and used the Enneagram to build strong leadership. And, you know, long story short, I went from zero to a million dollars in two years. That team now, almost 10 years later, is over 120,000 people. It's still cranking. Uh, there's seven, not, now there's eight millionaires within the organization represented by six different Enneagram types, and not one of them is an eight. And ironically, I was using it for five years and nobody knew I was using the Enneagram. Nobody did, including my own children. I didn't come home and say, guess what? You're a two and you're a seven. You know, I kind of was reading what I was being shown, whether it was in leadership or in my family, and just started speaking differently towards people based on who was in front of me. And you can't do that with no social network and build a network marketing business like that that fast without some emotional intelligence. And then it was about five years ago, um, I started seeing the Enneagram becoming trendy and it pissed me off. 
because I saw it being used in a way that was like making fun of it and making light of it. Kind of like you can do that with astrology or, you know, Myers-Briggs or like you almost put this label on yourself and then use it as an excuse to be stuck. Like, well, I'm an Aries, so I'm just meant to be an asshole or, you know, all that I would have done that. So I'm not knocking it. <laughs> But I knew the power of this tool because I hadn't spoken about it. I was like, no, 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 you guys, you have no idea. You have no idea. And at the same time, you know, I was going through my own health kind of thing and I had more time on my hands. I wasn't, you know, doing the travel circuit with my network marketing business. And I really was like praying about it. I was like, how can I bring this to the world in a way, not just as information, but the integration of it? because there's great information teachers of the Enneagram, tons of them. They're way better information givers than I am. But you know, if you don't know what the hell to do with it, it's like going to Home Depot and buying out the entire tool wall. But if you don't know what to do with them, you just have a very expensive garage. And oh I don't wanna do that with you. So like, I was like, I will be the expert in the integration of it. And I am, there is nobody that matches me as far as like, great, you're this. Now, what do you do with it? I can tell you in all areas of your life. And, and for the last five years, that has been my main focus is bringing it into individuals, families, teams, organizations, and corporations um, on how to be the best leader, bring out the ultimate leader in yourself so that everybody you touch, it has this compound effect that goes beyond what you can even see, legacies that will be here after you leave this earth. And that's kind of how I got here 10 years ago with the Enneagram and I'm obsessed. I could literally talk about it 24 seven. <laughs> Basically, as I just ranted for like 10. Oh my gosh. I freaking love it. There's so many things coming up. First of all, when you made this transformation, like I could feel, you know, that energy when somebody, you came home, you didn't tell your kids like, Hey, this is what I've learned. You just came in and started speaking different. And so your kids felt that energy. Then you got into the network marketing. Like what did people around you did they say anything? Were they kind of like looking at you? Like something's going on with her. Like, I, I don't know what's happened, but something's changed. Were people asking you or were they just kind of like watching from afar? Like, I don't know what the hell happened, but this is amazing. All of it, all of it. Like, you know, obviously there were looky-loos that like got the popcorn out. They're like, I know she went to rehab. Let's see what happens now. You know, like I didn't have a big social media presence. And the one I did have was kind of crappy. Like seriously, I was that negative, like bitchy um, kind of person. Um, and I had wiped out most of my friend group at that point because, you know, you are who you hang out with. We hear that, you know, you're the, the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And although they were great people, they weren't great for me, you know? And so I pretty much wiped out everybody but my children. And that included a lot of my family, which, you know, most of our dysfunction and how we express our dysfunction kind of comes out from. Um, but, you know, I did have somewhat of a social media presence and, you know, joining a network marketing thing. I had no intention of that. I just started the products and fell in love. And it was either that or go get a job in an industry. I was in the car industry for 15 years, which is really toxic. And and I didn't want to do that. But I was like, I don't know. I don't I don't who's I'm that single mom that went to rehab. Join my team. Like, seriously, I'm not the poster child of like success and wellness at this point. But yes, everybody could feel the energy and they could not put their finger on it. And, you know, I just was love and light everywhere I went. Um, I knew that if I just embodied what I knew I, I had in me, that healthy eight in me, that it would be like a magnet. And, you know, I love the movie feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come. But I was building myself up 
as this pillar of strength and hope and experience, quite honestly. I've been through a lot. And people started coming. And there were times I was like talking to my cat, you know, about network marketing and what this was, but I believed that I could help people. And in a very short time, obviously, you know, to go from zero to a million, you have to build very strong and fast. And I did, but it was, it was the energy that I was kind of putting out there. People are like, I don't know what it is about you, but whatever it is, I want to be a part of it. And I was able to speak life into anybody that came in contact with me, with me, not because I had them take an Enneagram test. So I want to say that loud and clear, like you can use this tool without telling people to take their Enneagram test and tell you what they are but you have to be genuinely curious and give a shit about humans in order to really spot it. And you have to approach it with integrity, not, you know, an ulterior agenda, motive or manipulation, which had I gotten this information 15 years ago, that's exactly how it would have used it. So I want you to know if, if that's kind of, you're like, yeah, I want to build a business. Like that's great. But if you don't do it from this human care about human beings and their personal growth without your own agenda attached to it, honestly, people will be turned off from this tool. So yeah, I started kind of speaking life into people and you know what I hear all the time. And this is how, you know, you're landing right on this. It's like, I feel like you're reading my mind in not a creepy, um, manipulative way. I get this, like, you know, me better than I know me and you just met me and it's because I'm genuinely curious about people. Um, I also look at every single person as though they're like a four-year-old little child. And I wonder like, you know, cause the Enneagram is a combination of nature and nurture. I do believe we're born with this temperament disposition and divine calling on our life by God, I do. And then we're put into these environments and families and school systems and experiences that kind of alter the expression of God's divine you know, plan for your life. Right. And sometimes that's really good. And, you know, some of the things and experiences I've had have it allowed me to express my eightness in a really powerful way. I can make things happen, but it was like a wrecking ball sometimes. Right. And like when nature and nurture and like our experiences collide, it's this perfect storm of our personality and who we were always designed to be. And my goal with the Enneagram and, and teaching it in leadership in your houses and in your businesses is like really just showing you the roadmap to your soul that God always had planned for you, but with the wisdom and the experience and compassion to go with it. You know, cause when we're four years old, we're kind of like, what's in it for me all the time, which, you know, kids are supposed to be like that. They're innocent, they're self-absorbed. That's, that's what they are. And my goal with this is to really help you get back to that innocence and free spirit, but with the, the leadership qualities that come with it. And so when I look at humans, you know, as though I'm looking at a four-year-old child, um, it can freak some people out, especially if they're not ready for the journey. And I don't judge it. I get it. I would have been that person. Um, but there's something that feels very safe and certain and significant when somebody really sees you for who you are, especially somebody that doesn't know you and maybe doesn't even have their own agenda um, with your life. And, and it's really been powerful to see that be executed out in the world and then the ripple effect of that um, in people's homes and in their businesses. It's powerful. Oh, that's so beautiful. Cause I feel like the things that I believe is people wanna be seen, heard, known and understood. And valued. Well, and what was the other one valued and valued. So when you show up that way and you can see them and understand them and yeah, 
I like how you say value valued for who you are. You don't have to be anybody else. You can shine, you know, shine in, um, your healthiest ways or, you know, even when you're spicy, I even, like, I even dig in, I like seeing the value in somebody, especially when they're being spicy and trying to get a rise out of me. (laughs) I'm sure that's the eight in me too. I'm always up for a challenge. So yes. (laughs) Or like for, for all, all sides. So with this tool, do you think that it is key to understand you, you bring up this like healthy, unhealthy side. So I want you to go into that and the different, I know there's wings to, to it. So do you have to understand yourself first or can you just learn about the other people? Where, where do people start with it? I mean, to be most effective, I think it's really important to lead. Like if you can't lead yourself, it's going to be really challenging for you to effectively lead other people. Now, that being said, like I've always been in leadership probably from the time I was four. I mean, I was managing a household as a four or five-year-old. I really, really was. <clears throat> doesn't mean I was always effective, right? And there's something very powerful in understanding why you do what you do and having compassion for those things, especially when there's been detours and, and U-turns you've had to take in your life and maybe some um, regrets that you have had or amends you need to make. It's like, gosh, why did I do that? And most often we'll bury ourselves in shame, whether we're expressive of that shame or not, you know, and shame keeps us stuck and shame kills and really understanding yourself and understanding why you do what you do and what triggers you and why it triggers you will allow you to have a lot more compassion for yourself. And, and if you can't give yourself compassion, I hate to break it to you, but what you're giving other people is not compassion. It's pity, it's enabling, and it's judgment. You cannot give compassion if you are ripping yourself apart. I'm sorry, you aren't. Um, and that was the biggest gift first and foremost. The second thing that it also gave me, um, was this eye opening experience of how others might receive me when I'm not so great and when I'm great. And it made sense, like understanding that an eight, you feel their energy before they even enter a room or a zoom room. Like you feel an eight coming. And that's why like when people tell me they're an eight, I'm like, you're not an eight, but that's okay. If you want to believe that you can believe that, but There's no denying when you got an eight in your presence and when you're raising a two who's very empathetic and sensitive and especially an eight when they're not at their best, no wonder my son had major anxiety and was like panicky all the time. Just my presence, even without saying a word, could do that. And it would send my daughter, the seven, running. She's like, I'm out, right? And and being mindful of like that energy is very powerful and with great reward comes great responsibility and that energy is very powerful and it's great when it's coming from a place of love compassion empathy service and grace it's powerful in a beautiful healthy way but that same intensity and energy can be a wrecking ball when it's coming from fear compassion um insecurity unworthiness shame and ego Right. And so being very mindful that before I enter any room, I have to make sure that like there's people in there that aren't me and may not receive me this way and being very intentional with the energy that I enter any room with. And that changed everything as well. You know, so that first and foremost, I think is really important to understand how other people receive you. This also allows you to like be more open minded when somebody calls you on your bullshit. I'm like, well, there you go. You're right. And me understanding why that's happening, again, compassion. 
I do think it's important to understand the other types. I really, really do. And, you know, there's a lot of complexities to the Enneagram. You know, the anatomy of every Enneagram type has four others connected to it. Um, so, you know, using all the tools in the toolbox based on your Enneagram type is really, really important. Um, but just like with anything, you got leaders go first and you understanding yourself first will allow you to give the gift that you have inside of you to the others, you know, and, and I did, I learned mine first, then I learned my two kids. And once I was like, wow, this is actually pretty effective. Then I started learning, you know, the other six types. And then the leaders started showing up in my network marketing. I'm like, great, I understand all these people now. And, you know, now I, I talk this language all day long so I can, I can spot it within minutes. And it's why people within minutes are like, geez, like, have you been stalking me? It's like, you know me. <laughs> it's like, you know me before, I, like, I've been married to this person for 10 years and you know me better than that person does. Very powerful. Oh my gosh. But, but leaders go first and you, you really have to start with yourself for it to be most effective. But I think a general knowledge of the other types is really important. But just because you drink the Kool-Aid, please, for the love of everything in integrity, don't go around like telling people what they are. Seriously. Yes. I was gonna, I was actually thinking about that and bringing it up. Like somebody coming up to you and typing you or telling you what you are like, Oh, you're this way because that's one of your unhealthy, you're an unhealthy version of this, or, Oh, I understand you because, Oh, you must be this Enneagram type because that's how you show up. So yeah, I don't think. <laughs> well, and that's the thing about the Enneagram. And this is why the Enneagram I love, you know, I love anything like that teaches us more self-awareness, like Myers-Briggs, DISC, um, astrology. I love all of it. But the difference between the Enneagram and pretty much everything else is it's based on motive. And although, yes, behaviorally, you could probably say, oh, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. Our behaviors are the front that protect our core motive and our core fear. And so 65 to 70% of the time, any online assessment is inaccurate. And there's something else that comes into play that the tests don't even take into consideration. It's this is an instinctual response to life. So please, like, this is a self-discovery journey. And unless somebody is saying, hey, I would love for you to Enneagram type me. And unless you really have been in this, like, please be responsible and guide them to somebody who does do this day in and day out. I used to, I, I usually kind of explain it like this. It's, it's a journey that like, if you love Disneyland, I don't love Disneyland, but I knew I had to go. And if I was going to go, I wanted to get it all done and like, make sure I don't have to go back. I want all of it. Right. So what do I do? I get the fast pass and the VIP tour. Like, so I know I never have to go back. Right. That's kind of like having an Enneagram guide like me. Like if you want to like know this in and out and then take this journey and run with it, like get somebody who really can give you the ins and outs and the secret doors to all these compartments, just like a Disneyland, right? Like when you have the VIP tour guide or you just get the four day pass and hope you don't miss anything and kind of go back year after year after year to Disneyland and learn a little bit more. There's nothing wrong with taking the long way on this self-discovery journey. There really, really isn't. And it's going to evolve as you grow too. But if you're one of those listening right now, it's like, I want to know everything. Then you get an expert in front of you to let you help you. Because first and foremost, being typed properly is so important. And like I said, 65 to 70% of the time, those every test is inaccurate. 
I've done thousands of these and still those, those statistics ring true. So know if you're going to go it solo, you're going to get a result. Don't take it for exactly what it pops out. Even if there's a huge discrepancy, just take your time with it. Like you're going to Disneyland year after year, or you get somebody that really can ask the right questions and within minutes really let you know. And then once you have the right information, you know, your roadmap's accurate and then the possibilities are endless for you and what you do with it. Wow. Okay. So a couple of things, there's nine basic types. So like, I know we don't, we're short on time. Can we quickly go on like kind of the basis? Like what is each type? And then I want to know, can you hit on a seven? Cause your daughter's a seven and I'm a seven and talk about like, what is going on? Like, what's my motive? What is my healthy, my unhealthy? Well, I will explain the nine Enneagram types in a way that I did in my first five years, you know, cause I mentioned I was using the Enneagram, but nobody had taken a test and nobody knew I was using it. So I know that that could be really valuable to you. So I will break it down into three parts, right? There are three centers of intelligence within the Enneagram. So three Enneagram types fall into each center of intelligence. So at the top of the diagram of the Enneagram, it's a big circle. And at the top are the eight, nine, and one, right? They're the three that kind of are at the arc of the top of the circle. And the eight, nine, and one fall into the action or body center of intelligence. All three of these types operate mainly from their first instinct is uh, their first kind of way they process or communicate is based on instinct. Now, all the other types use that too, but it's not their first go-to. For the eight, the nine, and one, it is all instinctual first, okay? Their, their main motive, like the three have a similar motive, but how it gets expressed looks very different among the three. So the eight, nine, and one are driven by a motive of truth, justice, independence, and autonomy, okay? Now, the eight, nine, and one, how they express that looks very, very different. The underlying emotion for all three of those is anger. And this is how I was able to discern at least what center of intelligence somebody was falling in. Okay. Cause once you kind of know what motivates a person and you can start speaking it, then you can kind of like break it down even further into one of the three types within that center of intelligence. But at least if you're speaking to their center of intelligence, you're going to go a hell of a lot longer and further than you would just kind of like trying to force them into a box of the Enneagram. Okay. So really focusing on the centers of intelligence will help you narrow it down fast. Okay. So the underlying emotion is anger. The eight is the challenger. That's what I am. They're very explosive with that anger. It's why a lot of eights are mistyped. A lot of people are mistyped as eights because behaviorally you think anger, you think eight, not always true. Um, they need independence and autonomy in a way they're motivated by a need to not be betrayed or violated. Okay. The nines want independence and autonomy, but they want harmony for the environment. So they want truth, justice, independence, and autonomy for the, the collective. They don't like conflict, right? And their anger is more passive aggressive. They kind of stuff their feelings. And then the Enneagram one, they are like the integrity police. They're the, um, reformer, they are motivated by good, bad, right, or wrong. And their anger is more internalized. So the eights explosive external with it. Nines kind of shut it down and feel nothing when they get to the dark side and ones internalize it. Okay. But they're all motivated, very similar, but how it gets expressed can absolutely look very different. All right. In the heart center of intelligence, these are the people driven by significance. Okay. 
they want to know that they're here for a reason. Now the twos, the threes, and the fours fall into this category. They make decisions um, based on being significant. For the twos, it's like they find significance in what they do for other people. Threes find significance in what they do and how they appear and what they achieve. And the fours find this internal significance, like what's true to me. All driven by significance, but again, very, very different. Their underlying emotion for all three of those types are shame, is shame. Now the twos are more external with it. Like when they feel shame, you kind of know it. Uh, the threes really stuff it, kind of like the nines do anger. The threes stuff their shame. You wouldn't even know they are experiencing shame, quite honestly, but they are. And then the fours internalize it, kind of like the ones do, right? They take it on internally. Uh, really, really important to understand when somebody is driven by significance, they're the ones that like, I am not driven by significance, not even a little bit. So like saying, oh my gosh, like you can be the star of this. I'm like, I don't care. Like that's how I knew I wasn't a three as well, but I can see a goal and hit a goal, which looks very achiever-like, but I'm not motivated by significance, not even in the slightest. In fact, I hate it. So it's amazing. So understanding when you have somebody driven by significance, they want to be the star of the show. They want the, the words of affirmation. They need like the Atta girls and the Atta boys. They really, really do. Okay. Really important to understand. And then in the final center of intelligence, this is the head or the thinking center of intelligence. And they are motivated, all three of them, the five, six, and seven by a need for certainty, right? Their certainty that they need looks very different. Just like the significance looks different for the heart center and the independence and autonomy looks different for the action and body center. The need for certainty looks very different for the five, six, and seven. For the five, the quiet specialist or the investigator, they need certainty that they're going to be equipped and capable and informed. They need the information. The sixes uh, need certainty that they're not going to be blindsided. Safety and security is very, very important. They're called the loyal skeptic right? They're the master troubleshooters of the Enneagram. And then the sevens, they're the enthusiastic visionary, and they need certainty that all the options are available to them at all times. They want all the things at all the time, right? Which we talked about, and we'll touch on that in a second. So you need, you can see that their need for certainty, they're driven by that need, right? And their underlying emotion is fear or anxiety. Now, just because you have fear or anxiety does not mean you're automatically a five, six, or seven. Same thing with like anger. It doesn't mean you're, you know what I mean? But this is like the driving force, you know, the five, six, and seven think into the future. When you future think that is, you know, anxiety, the twos, threes, and fours kind of think about the past and past history and data from the past. That's why shame, when we kind of get stuck in the past, shame and the eight, nine, and one stay in the present. And that's kind of where that instinct and anger and reactivity comes. But for the five, six, and seven, the fives internalize that anxiety. Very rarely will you see a five actively acting out in anxiety. The sixes are more external with it. And you know, as a seven, like you just move on to something else. It's almost like that, that unfocused um, energy, you shut it down. So you don't feel the anxiety. That's why you need to do all the things. And so that's basically in a nutshell, I'm telling you right now, if you just study the centers of intelligence, when you're dealing with other people and your families, that will go a long way. And that's quite honestly, really how I started using it. Like in business, like I knew my kids were two and seven easily. Like it was no brainer because I know them and I know what motivates them. But 
you know, with other people instead of saying, Hey, can you take an Enneagram test? Even though that's awesome if they're on board, um, starting to speak this in a way you'll start to build credibility and trust that you're actually listening to them. And they may be more open to something like a tool of the Enneagram down the road. And that's why people have been very receptive to it. At least where I'm concerned is like, gosh, you already kind of know me. What are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I use this thing. And they're like, but I didn't take a test. I'm like, I know. I know okay. I just I'm need like, to ask you this question that is yeah. like burning in my mind. Okay. So what do you do then? Because I am like this free spirit, like would rather beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Anything is possible. Pigs can fly. There's the internet. There's the man on the moon. Like I believe that anything is possible. And so how do you then like stay in tune with you and who you are when you're dealing with someone, um, that is like, nope, rule follower. This has to be this, this has to be that this has to be this. And so regimented when you're so free spirit, like how do you honor them and then also stay true to who you are? Cause I feel like sometimes when I'm interacting with people like that, it's like, oh, I feel caged or like I'm in this box. And I, I want you to feel like you're seen and heard and, and, and all the things, but like, I just need to show up as myself also. So like, how do you do that? Right. And like, for me, if I was like feeling that I'd feel controlled, which is like the eight's worst nightmare. And that's when I would be like, oh, hell no, like explosive. And like, let's, let's fight. And I was always down for that, but that's not effective. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is why understanding yourself is really, really important because like, yes, we're adults and we have to compromise and shit needs to get done. And, and I never want to cage a dreamer. Like my daughter, my seven is exactly why I was so passionate about understanding this because she is that way. And I recognize that sometimes when I communicate, I can feel her kind of withdrawing because she is feeling caged. And that's like the worst thing to do to seven. And you won't get the best out of a seven doing that. But that being said, if you've got a, somebody trying to lead you who doesn't care, like how do you as a seven navigate that without just saying F you and I'm out or, you know, spinning out or getting into anxiety. So this is why knowing the anatomy of your type is really, really important because it's, it's kind of like a DIY project. We all know how to use a screwdriver. We all do. Nobody needs a Google search. Nobody needs a YouTube tutorial on how to use a screwdriver. Same thing for you as a seven, you know how to be a seven. You could do it in your sleep. It's autopilot, right? Now you and I both know as well as I do, sometimes the screwdriver is not the right tool for the job, even though it's the one we know best. And so really understanding the other components of your sevenness, it doesn't mean it's going to change who you are, but you'll have extra tools in your tool belt, especially if you know how and when to most effectively use them. Even when you're dealing with somebody who's trying to cage you, or at least that's what you're thinking. Um, how to use those tools are going to be really, really important. So that being said, as a seven, you have two wings, right? And, and so often people think that they just have one wing or they don't know what that means. So if you're again, looking at the diagram of the Enneagram, whatever type you are on either side of you is a number. So you can just, as a seven, you have an eight on one side and a six on the other. Now, if you think about like a tool belt, you know, and you're in your seven kind of, you know, super suit right? But if you have this tool belt on and it's got a six and an eight sitting there, but if you've never picked it up and you haven't ever tried to use it, you don't know when to use it. They're kind of just sitting there weighing you down. And what you're going to end up doing is just saying, screw it. I'm a seven. I'm just going to use my screwdriver. 
And when you're dealing with somebody who wants you to follow some rules or wants you to have some focus and maybe wants you to focus on one thing at a time, but you're like in la la land dreaming, which that is your gift. I don't ever want to cage that. You're going to have to reach into your tool belt, probably your six first and be like, okay, my vision is big and anything is possible. And I'm going to invent the pool noodle because definitely a seven did that, right? For sure. Like you said, Steve Jobs was a seven, like big, no big surprise there. And people tried to cage him all the time. And what did he do? He wasn't really effective a lot of the time. He made shit happen, but he had no relationships, right? He, he had two other tools in his tool belt that he didn't effectively use, but he was an innovator and a big dreamer and thank God, but he died alone. Mm. He died alone. And so as a seven, knowing to use your six wing. Okay. Like, yes, the vision's there. I want all the options, but let's look at the six who is the master troubleshooter. They're the prepared, they're responsible. Okay. You tell the seven screwdriver, like, Hey, all the options are still open, but for a short period of time, we kind of have to troubleshoot this. So we have more time for more activities, right? So you have to really learn, learn to lean to that six first. And then like the six of can be troubleshooting for you. Like, okay, yeah, I have, I want to do the podcast. I want to, you know, swim the ocean. I want to, you know, create programs. I want to go to the moon. Like, okay, seven, we're going to do all those things. Let's troubleshoot it. Let's go to the six first. Let's put it into order of importance, which we're going to do first. Cause if we don't do that, it's basically like throwing shit up at the wall and nothing's going to stick. Okay. But the six is really good for strategy. They're not necessarily the best executors and the seven can execute, but it's like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And although that's fun, sometimes you don't always get the credibility and trust you deserve or being, you don't get taken as seriously as you should be. And that's why using that six is important. But on the other side of you, you have the eight, which is like big energy. I call it the big dick energy is your eight. Like, it is, but when used effectively, it's yeah. really, really important. So, you know, when the seven is like, I want to do this, we are going to do this. And you've already got the troubleshooting out of the way. And people want to say, because you're a seven, uh, I don't think that's possible. Oh, have you thought about this? I don't take you seriously. It's when you pull in the big dick energy of your eight and say, no, this is what we're doing. This is why here's my spreadsheet of troubleshooting. Let's freaking go. But you have to use both tools. To re and that's how you'll put into place somebody who's trying to box you in. And also, you'll also see that maybe they're not trying to box you in after all. But that seven in you really, you know, left to your own seven ways, you're going to assume that that's what's happening. But when you check in with the six and the eight, you're going to realize that they're not actually just trying to box you. They're trying to help you. Their communication may not be effective. But when you have these extra tools helping guide you, you won't take shit as personally. It will feel personal for sure. But you won't take it as personally because now you have these extra resources that give your sevenness more credibility and trust. And people will take you seriously because the world needs sevens because you are the visionaries, you're the innovators, you make the things possible that nobody, like I could never think of what sevens do. But you have to know how to use both wings, not just one. You'd probably definitely lean heavy into one. We usually do. And we sometimes use the wings in an unhealthy way. And a lot of time when we're mistyped, a lot of times the wings show up as your main score, but you're not motivated by that. Um, we also have a growth number that is like the holy grail of your type. So you as a seven, which I can see this in you, it's beautiful. A seven's growth number is actually the five, which is the quiet specialist. Our growth number is usually the complete opposite of what we naturally are. 
right? So the quiet specialist is the opposite of an enthusiastic visionary. But in order for all these big visions of a seven to actually like not only be planted, but take root, you have to do it in an environment and a container that really embodies that and allows that to happen. And that can only happen in the quiet of the five, right? This is where you gather information and gather wisdom and gather resources so that you can bring that big vision to life. I mean, Steve Jobs went into that garage with that, that other guy, I can't remember his name, Steve something, no, uh, whatever his name was, I can't think of it off the top of my head. That garage where they, that's where he was in his five cave, really just bringing, so that that big Apple vision could come to life, right? And so if you are really raising your hand and saying, I am committed to growth, when you look at the qualities of the five, they're the last thing a seven nat naturally wants to do because they want to do all the fun shit. And in this introverted quiet space doesn't seem like all the options are open but it's only when a seven goes into that quiet space that all the gifts of those dreams and ideas can actually like take root and bloom but the seven in you will want to resist it at all costs that's why the wings will push you into the five you can't do the five without help a seven will never go to the five without help and same with all the enneagram types like my growth number is a two, which is the considerate helper. So I go from the, you know, active challenger to the compassionate helper. No, that's not a natural move for me. Not even a little bit. I need every bit of help from my wings in order to embody that. And then we have a stress number, you know, that when all hell's breaking loose, we can kind of start to take on some of these unhealthier parts of another type that looks very different also. Like I can go from this explosive, domineering, aggressive person to now you see me, now you don't. And, and you're dead to me and I'm gone. Like the, the master of the Irish duck out, like she gone, where'd she go? <laughs> right? And so that's how I know today, like I use it as a compass, not to shame myself, but like, wow, I'm under extreme stress, what's really going on and kind of assessing that's how you use the gift and the anatomy of your Enneagram type. It's like just a compass. It's not a shame stick. It's not a box to put you in. It's just a roadmap. Like, ah, this indicates this. It's just like the warning lights on your car. You don't shame your car for, you know, saying your tire pressure is low. Just means like, hey, we got, we got to fix something here. And that's how we use Enneagram in the most beautiful way. And when you start to like live that, people are like, what in the world that like, how do you handle all this stuff and you handle it and you have fun and you have energy. Like I have more energy at 50 than I did at 30. And it's really having the right roadmap and understanding it, integrating it and using the compass that when I see something's maybe a little bit off, not taking it personal and not beating the shit out of myself, but really saying, okay, what's really happening right now and assessing and then moving differently powerful, powerful stuff. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Having the roadmap in front of you, you're not trying to trudge down, create the new trail. You have the roadmap is there. Um, wow. And like, you can, like once you know your roadmap, then you can go off road in a little bit and really like blaze your own trail, but within your, with you, within your own soul, it's powerful. And that's where like, you know, these iconic leaders come from. It's like, yeah, I, you know, Mother Teresa was an Enneagram eight and, you know, you wouldn't think she is. And although she embodies the eight, she blazed her own trail. Like once you really can embody 
the full scope of who you are, anything is possible and you can spark change that goes on for centuries. It's, it's beautiful when you look at it that way. Wow. Yeah. I just feel like understanding myself better, obviously is like you said, you got to start there, lead the way, but then, um, like I know, and I appreciate different types for what they bring because I am this like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, visionary, I see it all. And I want it all. And I, and I do appreciate that you need someone to anticipate like, what are some things that could come up that might get in your way that I, I I can't, I'm not thinking that I don't want to think that, like, I understand that everybody has a gift to bring to the okay uh, equation and like, um, work together. And so, yeah, I just feel like having this knowledge, even like you said, the five, like mm-hmm. I kind of told you before the call, I, I wasn't there before I started, um, having a coach working one-on-one with a coach. Like I wasn't going to the five, but after I worked with somebody else, it was like, okay, no, I have to get quiet. I am going to this quiet space. I'm gonna, you know, started using that as a tool. And it's so cool how you brought that up. Cause yeah, no, I would, I would never, never go there on my own, but having the tool or having, um, that awareness, then it was like, okay, then these beautiful things are coming out of it where without that, it would just all, like you said, be splattered everywhere and nothing would come to fruition. Cause I want to do everything. So, and it's hard at first, like understanding that, like, it's just like, you know, we know the screwdriver, but if we pick up a power drill or a chainsaw, it's a little intimidating and overwhelming at first. And just like anything, you have to practice using it and you have to have guidance sometimes to use certain tools, right? But the more that you you really use them, the more effortless it becomes. And I can flow with between my wings and my growth and stress number without even missing a beat today. Didn't happen that way overnight. So just like with anything, just consistency, compassion, patience, um, and an open heart and a willingness to really lean into the messy parts of this at first will really the down the road, like you're here to play the long game. So just be in it for that and know that when, anytime we're learning something new, it's going to be challenging at first. It's worth it. It's yes, worth it. absolutely. So I know that you work with a lot of, um, different businesses because as a leader, um, this is such an important tool. So do you think first any Enneagram type can lead and how does this help in leadership? Yeah. Anybody that's healthy in a healthiest state can absolutely lead. Now, are there certain types that maybe this is a little bit more effortless for? Sure. Absolutely. But then you're going to have to have the right people in place to support that because I don't care what type you are. You're going to have some gaps that aren't your strengths that are, are needed to really have a beautiful company that goes the distance, right? You got to have somebody that's visionary. You got to have somebody that's an executor. You have to have compassion because there's people involved. You have to have the right information and, and all the things. So I think anybody that is at their best can do anything. I really, really do. Um, it's, it's beautiful because I'm working with this team in Texas, their executive team. It's nine, like, you know, the CFO, the CEO, the president of sales, the president of marketing, you know, the controller, the, 
you know, the information technologists, like all of them. And there's pretty, I think there's six different Enneagram types within the nine executives. And I'm going there next week and like they all have gifts and there's breakdowns in communication and, and how like conflict and when stuff comes up, you, you don't realize how much energy, money, resources, and time that takes up if you don't know how to kind of navigate that stuff. And so the more that we can have this understanding of each other and their gifts and their downfalls, um, you really eliminate a lot of waste, wasted time, wasted money, wasted resources. And, and honestly, you'll realize you need a lot less people to make things happen. Right. When you have the right people working together and at their healthiest. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome. It's like putting a puzzle together, but you have to have the right pieces and you have to like, if you don't have the right pieces, how do we get them? And do you ever have anybody not buy into it? Um, you know, that's the other thing about it. Um, you know, one of the questions when I do like executive teams and stuff, I'm like, are you excited to be here? Are you annoyed that you're here? I I really want to know. And it's okay if you're annoyed, I get it. Like if, if I was like, and some people are like, eh, I don't know much about it, but whatever. It's part of my job. I'm like, okay. By the end of it, they love it, but, but they love it. But I'm not like, you know, very stuffy. And I'm like, Hey, you have free reign to speak freely. Like anything you say with me is going to stay with me. Everybody else is just going to know your Enneagram type and how to most effectively communicate with you, but everything else, like let's roll. And people are really like, like you said, they want to be seen, heard, understood, and valued. And if we can show the other teammates how to express that to you and how you can express that to others, why wouldn't they want to be on board? Now, that's why I said, like, you can't be a little self-righteous kind of know-it-all with the Enneagram, especially if you're an amateur. If you're, if you kind of go around barking the Enneagram, then you're, you're really not embodying the true nature of the Enneagram and you will turn people off. The best way to get people on board to this kind of thing is embodying it. For five years, nobody knew that this was the tool that I was using to grow. I mean, obviously there were other things like my faith, my recovery work and, and all of that. And, and a lot of it, you know, my own other work, but the Enneagram has been the foundational tool that really guide me back to my faith, that guide me to my own kind of soul. And because I was embodying it, when I came out with it, everybody was like, well, you obviously know what you're doing with this. So please. And if I had just led with that, nobody would have really like, like, that's cool. What's that? It's why I am asked to be on podcasts, even though there's other information teachers that have hundreds of thousands of followers, they're boring. They don't know how to talk about it in a way that people can relate to their lives. Right. And so the number one thing to get people on board for something like this is to live it, attract people to it. Because if you start all of a sudden talking to your spouse, a little bit differently with a little bit more compassion, love, and tolerance, they're going to think something's changed and they're going to want to know what it is. But if you say, honey, I want you to meet this lady, Tracy, and take an Enneagram test and hear like she's going to talk to you for 90 minutes. No, no. What I'll usually say, because by the end of a session, whether I'm talking to a husband or a wife and they want their husband or wife to be on, I'm like, just live this for about a month. Just start using what I've taught you in your real life and just watch what happens. And almost every single time I end up working with the spouse too, because they saw it in action before they ever got it verbalized to them. And they were already in. 
they saw it work. And when they asked, what, what did you do differently? And then they're like, I'm in. And then I end up working with the entire family. And then I work with their businesses. And it's, it's like this compound effect. They see the power in it. But you have to you know, walk the talk. Because if you just talk it, but don't walk it, you're going to blow the opportunity of something like this really changing somebody's life. Oh, so beautiful. What, what a gift it is. Um, okay. I know I could, t- I could probably talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours, but I want to respect your time. So I just have a couple final questions for you to wrap up. So the first one is what has been the b- biggest blessing that has come from your knowledge of the Enneagram for you? Hands down the way that I show up as a mom, honestly, um, they're the best thing I've ever done. And the way that I grew up, although like my parents loved me and did the very best they could, they were not great parents for me. They really, really weren't. And there was a lot of things that I had to unlearn. Um, And the way that both my children who are very different from me and each other feel completely seen, heard, understood, valued, and empowered because of how I show up. And now they're 24 and 25. And for me to be their first go-to for anything And they know that they'll be approached without judgment, um, with love and with skills and advice that honors who they are, not just what mom Aries Enneagram eight Tracy would do, but what Enneagram two Pisces, Joey, sweet empath would do, or my free spirited Capricorn Enneagram seven Casey would do like, they know that I see them fully for who they are. And the advice that I give is based on who they are, not who I am. Oh my gosh. Like if that is it, if that is all you take away, like I just feel like this, my eyes are being open to it in that way. Like how I have three boys, Mm. how can I show up? Not for me and, and how I operate, but finding out who they are in that way. And how can I best show up for them? That was one of my, um, That's your kids free and you'll, you'll see your kids shine and live life happy. That's all we want as parents is happy kids. Right. My biggest fear, honestly, my whole life has been, even before I had kids was fucking them up. It really was. I was afraid. And that's why this is the biggest blessing. This has brought to me is like really knowing that my kids know that I know who they are and I appreciate, and they teach me something every single day. Oh my gosh. This leads to my next question, which is like, how can we figure out what Enneagram number our kids are so we can better support them as a parent? Like how young can you go? There's lots of opinions on this. And I believe, you know, if, if this is true, like God's divine plan for our life, we're kind of born with that. Now I absolutely would never say to a child, you are this, you are this, or or anything like, like I said, my kids did not even know the word Enneagram until they were over 18, but I was introduced to this when they were 14 and 15, right? Those centers of intelligence will be really, really helpful in this. And then you kind of just start speaking to it and you'll know when you land it, when their behavior improves, when they don't act out to try and get your attention, whether it's for significant certainty or safety and autonomy, right? So using those centers of intelligence will really help you narrow down where your children fall. And take your time with it. Please, please, for the love of everything good, do not label your children with an Enneagram type verbally to them. You know, I, I work with parents that have kids. I've, I, one of my good friends, she's got three kids. 
they were six. Um, she had six year old twin boys and a three year old at the time. And I was like, I think you got a six. I think you got a four and I think you got an eight. So let's start talking, like start talking to this one this way, start talking to this one this way and start talking to this one this way. Changed everything overnight. But the kids have no idea that that's what's happening. Yes. Like, this is a tool for the parent. And, you know, don't pigeonhole them. Don't like think like, well, I've got a six. So like, you know, just be open-minded to it, but you're going to know, you're going to know when it lands because you will see your kid light up like a Christmas tree. You'll see their confidence increase. You won't see them as afraid to use their voice. You will see them like live out loud. Um, you will see them not act out to get attention. Um, but there's lots of opinions on the Enneagram. Absolutely do not have them take an assessment. Don't do not do that. You know, I work with teenagers and I think I use it. I mean, I was, my kids are true testament to the power of the Enneagram. So I will go toe to toe with anybody, but please don't label them and talk about your, talk about it with your kids. Cause I work, I work with families that have a house full of teenagers. I've done team family workshops. You know, it's, it's a matter of opinion, but like the proof is in the pudding. And my family is a true testament of what this can do when everybody's on board and the intention is coming from the most loving, honest place. Like as a parent, if you want to help your child be the very best version of their self, not what you want them to be, you know, that's, that's different. Like I've turned people down when I know that there's an agenda, they want me to fix their kids. I'm like, you're the problem. You're the problem. And this won't work. Oh, I love love that. Like you said, yeah, you don't need the label. You just need the tools and the information too. Just the tool. Uh, and yeah, it's beautiful. And so obviously my kids knew something had shifted and it was more than just mom going to rehab. Like my whole kind of like expression of communication changed. And so, you know, fast forward four or five years later, when I talk about the Enneagram, they're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, this is what I was kind of using to figure out how to talk to you. And so they were in, of course, because it worked. I mean, it changed everything for our home, not just my communication, but financially, you know, we were trying to figure crap out. And all of a sudden I'm making tons of money too, on top of it and being a good steward of it. I'm not just like, woo, like, no, like we're being very mindful and they're like, wow. I'm like, yeah, Enneagram really helped us. Oh, I love that. I know, right? <laughs> How amazing. It can just work in so many ways, personal, business, like parent, friendships, everything. Um, yeah. I use With it in every spouse. area. Okay. I need to find out more about all of this. I want to improve my relationships and how I show up and, um, how I make, cause I know how important it is for me to feel seen, known, heard, understood. So I would love to give that gift to the other people. You know, it's so important and take the time to find out. You know, your relationships will improve immediately when the relationship with yourself does. And this tool will help that. Like the people you attract in your life, the things you won't put up with anymore, the boundaries that you're able to lay will all improve when you improve that relationship you have with yourself. And the Enneagram can guide you right there. Oh, I love that. Okay. So people are so damn complicated. Um, you know, we're not complicated. We're just compl <laughs> we're complex. We're not complicated. Yeah. Complex. That's great. Let's swap the word. People are so complex. So with this tool, 
Um, are there some relationships? I guess you kind of said it before that maybe need to be let go of within like a family, um, or in business or, or however it works, but the healthiest version of all of the types, can they mesh well together? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's still like, you know, and it's not our job to judge others, you know, everybody's on their own journey and sometimes you don't get it till you get it. And sometimes you can love people from afar. It doesn't mean they're always going to receive it that way. Um, but knowing that you're operating from a place of love, compassion, empathy, service, and grace, um, like that's kind of, even if people are really upset with me and I have a lot of people really upset with me, I really do. And it, I understand why, like I've changed the rules. Um, my light is shining bright and it's kind of glaring in their face and, and I'm okay with that because I know I'm coming from the right place to honor myself and actually honor them. Like, I'm not going to co-sign on bullshit for anybody, especially anybody that I love. Now they won't like that. And so you have a decision to make, do you just stick with your screwdriver and do what you've always done and do what you know, or are you going to pick up the drill and the power, you know, the chainsaw and, and do what you need to do in this life? Cause you only get one life. You only get one life. And you know, it's still painful cause we're still human. Like it does not feel good to know that most of my family really is not a big fan of me and I understand why, and it still freaking hurts and I'm still going to do it. Wow. Yes. But that takes time. Y'all you don't learn the Enneagram and like do this overnight. This is, you got to understand this is 10 years of every day really leaning in and being committed and honest and open with myself and then gaining that confidence and courage to move forward and leave people behind, even if it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that is part of it too, right? It, it totally is part of it that, yeah. but having the understanding why, um, even though, yeah, it doesn't take the pain away, at least, you know, you can honor who you are and honor your journey. Because like you said, we only live this life once. So, and you know, if you're raising children, it's really important that you model what standing in integrity for yourself really looks like, because, you know, you're teaching them how to show up in the world. And if you kind of cower and don't have boundaries, you know what, that's going to be repeated in the next generation. And if you're okay with that, then continue on. I knew I wasn't. And so I was willing to take the hits and get the shade thrown at me and the crap talked about like, but my kids, like, you know, I'm bulletproof in a healthy way. And so that they, they are too, and they will stand for what they believe in and what's right in the name of love, integrity, compassion, service, grace, all the things. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, lastly, where can everybody find you? The people who are like, oh my gosh, Tracy O'Malley, where is she? Where does she hang out? How can I get typed, get the tools, work with her in business or my personal life? Where can they find you at? And what do you offer? Well, first of all, if you are digging this, go binge my podcast, The Leadership Formula. Uh, There's over 200 episodes. I touch on the Enneagram probably almost in every single one at some point. Um, Really, really powerful, especially if you know your type. I have some um, type sensitive or type specific episodes where like, especially if you're kind of just learning, I do the anatomy of each type 
you get almost a full hour for each type. It's pretty cool. Um, so go binge that on Instagram. I'm at Tracy underscore O'Malley. Um, my highlight bubbles have some information. They're kind of old. I need to update them. Like I said, I'm not the great information teacher, but like spend some time with me and you will know how to use this beautiful tool. Um, and if you know, you want to be typed properly and spend 90 minutes with me to have that information and have the integration tools to take with it, you can go to tracyomalley.com, the work with me section. And I have a few different options there and what that looks like. Beautiful. Wow. And if you have teams, families, organizations, just hit me up and I have some packages that I can accommodate that too. I love that. Like you are changing relationships. Um, one person leader business at a time. And I love how you say it's kind of like the ripple effect when you do the work and you, um, kind of lead the way in change, then it will be felt by the others who you surround yourself with. So beautiful to watch. It's oh. like, if I died tomorrow, like I've done beautiful work in this world first with my family. Like I know my kids will go on and create a legacy that is beautiful and like so loving and filled with an integrity and every, you know, person I've touched in business and friendships. And like, I know, like if I'm called tomorrow, I did really beautiful work, especially the last 10 years. So I'm, I'm solid. And I feel really good about that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. It's so incredible. And I'm so glad that our paths cross and yeah, thank you for being here. All right, guys, if you love this episode, share it and let us know like the aha moments you had. Cause we want to know, we want to know all the things. <laughs> yes. Share this episode with all of the people that surround you. So you can all jump on the bandwagon and make some positive changes in your life. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.